everyone, and welcome to our podcast today. I'm Edie Tolbert. And I'm Jennifer Edwards. And we are Business Besties. So today, Jennifer, we are talking about how did I get here? So that title is, I think I've just been thinking about this, especially over the last few months. Um, I'm writing a book. I think we've mentioned that. And and my book coach has had me go back. You know, I thought I was just going to start at when I opened the day spa and bring it all forward. And she's like, no, 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 no. Your readers need to know who you are. I'm like, oh, okay. So I was born in Sacramento. I was an Air Force baby. <laughs> and she's like, no, 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 no. So we've really dived into some of those things that um, have pushed me to where I am today or put me where I am today. So that's kind of what I wanted to talk about today. What are those things looking back over your life? This is called a reflection episode. (laughs) Um, What do you see as prominent things that happened and you know that you know that you know you went through that in order to be here? So I'll start with a an interesting little happenstance and not a happenstance god was all over this okay so it was the 80s it was 80 i don't know 88 ish 19 1988 (laughs) for those who are listening that couldn't figure out what that meant um and i had quit a job without a job to go to which in that during that time you didn't do that. There were no jobs to be had. It is was very unlike what it is today. You can go anywhere and get a job within seconds. Back then you filled out four, you know, forty applications a day and yeah. it was all mailed them in and mm-hmm. yeah, anyway. So I had gone to the University of Oklahoma where they had an administrative position available. I was in my early twenties and one of the things that was on the benefits was that if you work there, you got um, tuition to OU. And that was a little, Tulsa used to have an OU, a little OU clinic thing in, anyway. So when I read that, I thought to myself, hang on, I wonder if the University of Tulsa offers that because I already had two years at the University of oh, Tulsa. Oh, right, right. And um, two years worth of schooling done, and I had uh, quit to get married because love mattered so much more than school at the time. <laughs> and the deal with There's my nobody out there in our audience, nobody will understand. No, 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 no. <laughs> my dad's deal was I'll pay for school unless you get married, mm-hmm. and if you get married, the money stops. Well, mm-hmm. I was way more in love than I was. I was way more in love with Rom than I was with school. So <laughs> I was all about okay, that's fine. I'll figure it out some other way, and I did. Mm-hmm. We were married about two years or so. And, um, I, so I, seeing that that was one of their benefits, I thought to myself, well, I wonder if the University of Tulsa offers that. And sure enough, mm-hmm. they did. Theirs was a little different. They were, after you'd been there a year, you got half off of tuition. Oh, wow. But that's that was a big deal to, at a private yeah, university. Yes. Yeah. So I applied there mm-hmm. and I, um, <clears throat> got an interview mm-hmm. and, the day I was supposed to go, I got really sick, like whatever virus was going around. 
And so I had to call and cancel, which was like, oh, no, I cannot believe I have to. I mean, it was so hard to get an interview. I mean, people yeah. today don't even understand. Like, mm-hmm. to get an interview, you were, like, shocked because mm-hmm. there were so many people out there that were unemployed, and unemployment was so high at the time. And so um, they they did reschedule, and so... On the day that I was supposed to go on that second interview, my car wouldn't start. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And if that wasn't the enemy trying to keep me from getting a job, I don't know what was. So, I I came back up into our apartment, and I was sitting there all in a suit. Because back then, you didn't Mm -hmm. ever go to an interview with Mm -hmm. not being in a suit and hose and heels and, like, the whole nine yards. Hose. Let's talk about I know. (laughs) Pantyhose. Now you really know how old I am. So, I was just sitting there. Do you make those anymore? I have no idea. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. I'm thinking, wow. Okay. So, I'm going to go check that out. Okay. Go ahead. Sorry. Pantyhose. Rabbit hole. So I'm sitting there in my apartment trying to figure out what to do because I think Ron might have been out of town or I'm not really sure. But regardless, it wouldn't have mattered. He mm-hmm. couldn't have gotten back in time to get me there. Mm-hmm. So I was just sitting there. My phone rang and I answered. And it was my sister-in-law, Brenda. And she said, God told me to call you. What's going on? And I said, Brenda, I need a ride. I My car won't start. And I have an interview in whatever minutes mm-hmm. it was. She goes, I'll be there in a second. Mm-hmm. Went interviewed. I was the very last person to interview for that job and they hired me. Wow. So fast forward a little bit, which if that's not the most amazing part of the right. story, right? fast forward a little bit. As soon as I got to TU, got on board working, they immediately changed the policy from you had to be there a year and it was half to you had to be there a year and they paid full tuition. So I got the last two years of my school paid for and I know that at that point in my life, because I had quit school, that kind of takes a hit on your ego, mm-hmm. um, your your confidence. Mm-hmm. Like I was newly married, and there were you know all of the mm-hmm. things going on. We had a we have an amazing marriage, and like, but lots of changes. There were mm-hmm. a lot of changes going on, and it took me a while. Mm-hmm. Like I started immediately after that first year, the very next semester, I started and I worked full time and went to school part time until I got finished, and. Um, I know that God needed me to finish something important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was, let's not have a podcast where Jennifer doesn't cry, okay? <laughs> you haven't cried in a couple, so it's okay. I know, I know. <laughs> but this is significant mm-hmm. in that God loves us so much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he orchestrates things that we need that we don't even know we need. Mm-hmm. And I always say, I don't know that I've ever used that degree for anything. (laughs) My official degree is, um, I have a bachelor's in organizational communication and immediately, almost immediately after graduating, um, my husband and I bought the company. Hmm. And so while organizational communication obviously helped me in whatever ways with my company, I didn't necessarily go straight into that Mm -hmm. profession, which I don't know that anybody does unless you're a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer. But anyway, um, that was significant. Mm -hmm. That was, those were those moments where God had his hand so directly on my life Mm -hmm. that there's no question at all. Mm -hmm. I can't ever just 
mark it up to mm-hmm. that was coincidence. Mm-hmm. Like there's no way any of so, those things were coincidence. So at what point did you realize that that was a significant part? Um, it it has ha- it has occurred to me multiple times. But did it occur at the time? No. Okay. No. And no. <laughs> no. I I don't as odd as it is, I have never put that much stock in my degree. Oh gosh, that sounds so terrible. But I mean, it was hard too cuz I was working full time and working and going to school part time and mm-hmm. never seeing my husband cuz I was studying all the time. Anyway. Um so really married. Newly married. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a lot for yeah. a newly married couple. Um, so one of the recent, probably one of the most recent times that I've realized that my degree mattered and that I, and that I had forgotten about it <laughs> was I was meeting with this person who I know I'm not, I don't, honestly, I don't even remember her name, but I was meeting with her to do a vision board session with a group that she was involved in mm-hmm. and the group was a bit it was I guess pretty hoity-toity and I, I don't people are people mm-hmm. like you can make a million dollars you can make 10 million dollars or you can make ten thousand dollars a year and it doesn't matter to me mm-hmm. like your money doesn't determine to me mm-hmm. what kind of person you are but in this particular group it did it mattered and so when I was explaining the whole vision board process she's like well, what do you use to put the vision boards on? And I said, well, poster boards. And she goes, well, they are like printed with your logo on them, aren't they? I was like, no. And she goes, well, this group, you're, you would have to scale this up a little bit in, in order for us to feel like you, how'd she put it, really knew what you were doing. Or I don't even know what words she used. It was pretty insulting. And she said, how do you know how to do this? Like, what, what, is your, what are your credentials for doing this? And at the time, it never even occurred to me that I had a degree in organizational communication, which really does directly, Mm -hmm. I mean, in the big scheme of things, it really does. Yes. But it didn't, I was so thrown off by her hoity-toity attitude towards me, it never even occurred to me to say I have a degree from the University of Tulsa. In organizational communication. In organizational (laughs) communication. It never even occurred to me until after the fact. Yeah. And then I realized, oh, wow, okay, so... I could have said that and it might have made a difference, but I did not get that project. I didn't get that job because I didn't, I wasn't. Because your name wasn't on the. My logo wasn't on the poster board and I didn't have pins with my names on them and, or with my logo on them and that I didn't, I I had forgotten that I had a degree. Like I, you know, and I was a bit flustered anyway, because I don't run into people like that very often. And so I, when I do, I I don't respond well because I literally looked at her with the most incredulous look on my face and said, I really don't understand what any of this has to do with whether or not people are chasing their passion and their vision, which is what this is all about. Mm-hmm. Anyway. <laughs> Good answer. Yeah. I just was so thrown off. Anyway, but I did I did realize that after the fact that I could have used that information yeah. about having a degree that might have made the difference. But honestly, I didn't want to do work with that group right. anyway if they were going to be like right. that. So I it was not a big loss for but me. But I would have loved to seen her face when actually I have a degree from the from the University of Tulsa. <laughs> I know. I here I went to And a, what is your degree in? <laughs> that's I, as the challenger, I would have said, excuse me, oh, what's your degree? Oh, God. I think she was an attorney or something. I don't know. Anyway. Anyway. But anyway, that was one of the times that I realized that. And I didn't realize until much later when I was working at 
when we when Ron and I had our own business that the point of God having me, or at least at that in that moment of yeah. this particular realization, I didn't I didn't realize until then and that it really was that God needed me to finish something big. Mm-hmm. I needed to have something under my belt, whether it was a degree or whatever. He it was me accomplishing something mm-hmm. and and what that did for my confidence and my self-esteem. Yeah. God needed that for me for that moment in my life. Didn't realize it too much later. Right. I get a, you know, who knows? I get a degree from a private university that is really expensive. <laughs> and forget about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So tell me one of your moments. So as I was thinking about this, um, the first, the first thing that came to my mind was uh, right after getting married. I got married at the age of 19. Um, I was working at a bank, and one of my friends that I had met at the bank, she left and went to work for a local utility. It was Public Service Company of Oklahoma here in Tulsa, and she went to work as the cashier because we were tellers. And she called me and told me that she got a promotion to be a customer service representative and that her position was open and she would recommend me if if I was interested. And I, you know, back in that day, we were all looking for that one company that you could go to work for for a lifetime with good benefits and you could be there till you retire. That was the goal, right? Right. So I said, yes, give me, give me an interview. And so she did. And I mean, they didn't interview anybody else. They hired me. I went to work like two weeks later. Um, but I didn't know how to negotiate. Back in that day, I was still young. I don't even, I don't, I worked at the bank. I mean, I had to have been 20 years old, just a year out. You know, nobody ever taught me how to interview or to negotiate a salary. So actually, with my benefits, I ended up making less than I made as a teller at the bank. <gasps> oh, just no. a little bit, oh, just no. a little bit, yeah. but you know. Um, so I knew right away I wasn't going to be a cashier for long because I wanted one of them customer service representative positions that made more money, right? So... Worked my way into that, and then at the ripe old age of 25, um, we went through a reorganization. And, I mean, the utility companies, about every five to seven years would go through a reorganization. They'd trim the fat, reorganize departments, blah, 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 blah. So this was, this was my first one to experience. And everybody in leadership management had to reapply for their jobs, okay? And so I thought, well, you know, what have I got to lose? I'll, I'll apply for one of the supervisory positions in customer service. Um, and then I was shocked when I got the job. <laughs> Again, naive and young. <laughs> like, what is happening? What is happening? Um, and to top it all off, I had just had my first baby. And I, so I was going to start my new job the day I came back from maternity leave. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. So did that and... Um, was it, I started out supervising like 10 people. Um, I was at one of what they called a, um, what do they call them? Satellite location. So at that time, we decent, we were centralized and they decentralized. And that meant they took all the customer service. We weren't a customer service um, in one area, like, you know, one, all, all 45 of us in one, the first floor of the building. They chopped us all up and they sent us out to all the satellite offices. We had them downtown, one in East Tulsa, South Tulsa, Sand Springs, Catoosa, you know, all the places. So I was at the one downtown. I supervised about 10 people. 
And then five years, well, no, we weren't even there a couple, a couple of years. And they centralized us. So they, they decided that really wasn't working for the phone, for the phones. Now, the in-person was working well, but they wanted to centralize the phone, what they called the phone center back in the day. And so they moved me from the downtown location to, well, I mean, I was just a couple blocks away, to the centralized location. So now I was there. And my new job was to supervise all 32 employees that were within the call center. And I was in charge of the work schedule, the vacation, um, time off, all of that. And I mean, let me tell you, wow. when you try to track 32 people, their schedules and their time off, it was a nightmare. And then I still had my little section of 10 people that I supervised on a daily basis, right? But with that, they sent us to um, lots of um, leadership because we were all young. every Almost every single one of us that got hired during that time, we were all within 20, 25 to 30 years old. So we all clicked really well together. But they sent us to all these managerial classes, managerial grid, what they called grid, and leadership something, something. I mean, I, every quarter we were going to something, which was, you know, they'd set us up in a hotel, feed us food, and then, but we would spend enti- the entire 9, 10, 12 hours working at all these scenarios to make us better leaders, better management. Wow. And so now looking back on that, all of those tools that I learned during that time are very important with what I'm doing today. I had no idea that that would have been something that I would have carried. Well, I quit there when I was 30, and I'm 60. So 30 years ago, I'm still applying. Yeah what I learned and because managing people is the hardest part of being a business owner. (laughs) Yes, it is. And and I'm only, and I only have at the day spa, I only have 10 employees and it's, it's every bit as much as 32, Mm -hmm. you know, back in the Mm -hmm. day, it's just, you're dealing with not people, you know, we call them now our work family because they really are a work family. We really do spend more time with them than we spend with our with families. Our family, yeah. And you're dealing with um, not only what they're doing as performance, but what is happening outside mm-hmm. of the business that's affecting their performance. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have to have all different levels of compassion and understanding and boundaries. And so all of that. And, and I've, I've learned, I mean, even in that, I, I, I've learned that the way that I reacted back then probably wouldn't be working in today's world. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. <laughs> so I've had to relearn how to, yeah. you know, react yeah. and and Because every generation, motivate. yes, every generation is motivated differently. Yeah. Every generation yeah. reacts differently to discipline and, yeah. and conflict and whatever, yes. So I, I never would have thought, and I, I truly believe that, you know, God connected me with Shelly, and Shelly was the reason I went to work for PSO, because we were two Christians back in the day, young, young Christians, and um, she was, you know, we stayed friends, and she actually ended up being a supervisor in the call center along with me um, after that, and um, who would have thought that, that yeah, I mean, I I never would have. Now looking back, I know that that was a pivotal moment in in my life where God was preparing me for what I'm doing today. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, it's so amazing. Yeah, so amazing. Yeah, and then and then you know, <clears throat> I was um, when I quit my job to stay home because Brittany had a heart murmur, and 
they didn't take they didn't take infants at the daycare Tiffany was going to, so I was going to have to go to two di different daycares, and I had my infant at a brand new place. I didn't know any of the people, know anything about them, and they were going to have to watch for her to stop breathing or her lips turn blue, and I just, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. So to quit my job and be a stay-at-home mom, which was nothing I, I was never going to be. Oh, wow. I was never going to be. I was all about the suits and the ruffled shirt and the pearls yep. and the hose and the high heels. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, every day going to work with my little briefcase. And I had, and then when I was a stay-at-home mom, I was like, oh, so what am I going to do? But you know what? You can manage your household just as much as you can manage your job. Mm -hmm. It is a job. Yeah. And <clears throat> so what I ended up learning there was all the fundraising stuff. I got involved with the schools. I helped them fundraise. And what am I doing today? Fundraising. <laughs> For your nonprofit. On a bigger scale. <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah. So, I mean, even, you know, you just don't, you just don't realize it until you get to the point in your life where you do take a look back to know that all of those things, all of those dots have been connected in one way or the other. And God was in the mix during the whole thing. He was setting you up for when you were ready to step out yes, and do the purpose, do mm -hmm. the passion, mm -hmm. all nine yards. Yeah. So, yes. And I, I learned through all when you when you do take the step back or you look at the things from the 30,000 foot mm -hmm. view mm -hmm. you are able to see those things in life that brought you to where you are and i think that's really important right i think it it's is. really important because it's when you are taking the step back and breathing mm -hmm. that you see god in all of that mm -hmm. and i do believe that that is an important part of everything that we do mm -hmm. is to recognize that god was in the midst of all of that yeah. and um so for me, I think the next, the next thing um, that really helps me today with my business getting ready to turn five years old in April is that um, being in a business like fire protection, which is really, really hard in so many ways on so many levels, <laughs> Whew, from a female being in a man's world to just the difficulties of being in fire protection, the high risk, the expensive mm -hmm. insurance and all of that and walking through all of that and having a lot of difficult times in our, and Ron and I having to just walk it out as we talked about in a previous episode. Yes. Just having to walk out, whether it be money problems or employee problems or, you know, the economy or whatever the issue was, I, I feel like I went through so many difficult times that I can now be empathetic mm -hmm. to people as I consult with them and help during my masterminds in that I, if they talk about something, I get it. I get it on a level that others might not because I, we, we owned a really, really difficult business to own right. in a difficult time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we withstood several economic downturns and dealt with having to do layoffs and ha dealt with then having to gear up. And, I mean, I dealt with supply shortages and material costs going skyrocketing at one point because China was buying all the steel and steel pipe prices went just crazy, crazy which they're yeah. doing at the moment as well. Right. And so that... That I can see now because I dealt with all those hard times and I can appreciate and not hate those hard times mm -hmm. because I can use those hard times to help other people. Mm -hmm. And now I don't hate all of those hard things that happened to us. And 
in the fire protection industry, you're sued all the time for one thing or another. Mm-hmm. Like the first one was just horrible. Like it was, it was gut wrenching mm-hmm. to know that we were being sued and then you get used to it because the new way of getting rich is to sue people. So, right. you know, it was just always one business suing another one because water fell on the floor and then you have to get in, your insurance company has to defend you. Right. And then, you know, they, they do what's called casting the net. And so they get suppliers, right. they get the contractors and anybody else that they can find a name or a phone number for, and they throw all of their names in it. And then mm-hmm. you've got to go hire an, an attorney to get out of that. Right. And most of the time, I mean, I won't say most, about half the time they, you're able to get out of it because they realize that you don't, you weren't involved, but right. they just right. find your name anyway. Right. So that that's hard. And having been through all of that and then going from there, selling that business, um, going into working at my church, which I never wanted to do. I never wanted to work at a church. (laughs) In fact, I can remember being at my church or being at my job at my church for, I know it had to be five months. I would just say to God, I don't think I'm Christian enough. I don't think I'm Christian enough. (laughs) Like there's a scale or something, right? Yeah. I didn't know about that scale. Yeah. There's a scale of being Christian enough to work at a church. (laughs) But what I learned from that instance... I remember you telling me, too, I don't I don't want to do this. Oh, I didn't. Uh-uh. I didn't. I didn't at all. Yeah. I didn't. But there was a reason. God yeah. needed me there for mm-hmm. multiple reasons. They were transitioning from old school bookkeeping to trying mm-hmm. to get all into, you know, QuickBooks and all that. And so they needed somebody who had some experience. And I was the... They reached out to me. And so I was the finance manager. And I got them all set up and all of that stuff. It was going to be a six-month project, which ended up being being there for four years. Mm-hmm. Which is always what happens. <laughs> um, but what I learned, and I think this is, there were lots of lessons there, but I think for what I'm doing now, one of the lessons that I learned is that being the finance manager, I saw all of the money that came in and went out. Mm-hmm. And I was one of the only people that saw exactly who, because mm-hmm. our pastor didn't want to know who gave right. money. Right. He obviously needed to know how much there was because he also had to manage the finances of the church because right. it was his job. But he didn't want to know who. He right. never really know, knew who. Right. I knew who. Right. I knew who gave the big dollars. Right. And it was almost without exception, business owners and doctors. Mm-hmm. And I, I get it now because I needed to see that to understand that God has placed entrepreneurs mm-hmm. where they are for a reason because we have the opportunity to give into our church in ways that no one else does. Right. right. And God is raising up entrepreneurs to support financially the church. Right. And that's what I think I was sent there, to among see. other things, but to see that and understand it mm-hmm. for my business now. Right. Because that in itself is very freeing. Mm-hmm. To a point that it's it's not just the rich of the rich. Right. And we are in the marketplace for a reason. Mm-hmm. And what we're doing is our ministry. Not everybody's ministry is called to be in the church. If that were the case, then the only thing out there would be churches. Exactly. Exactly. Let's just let's paint that picture. <laughs> right. <okay? laughs> Some of us are designated to be in the marketplace. And he wants us to be successful because if we're successful, that gives more money to be poured back into exactly. growing the kingdom, which right. is what we should be doing. Right. Period. Right. So, And yeah. that's why I truly believe that the entrepreneurial spirit was placed in people mm-hmm. for the purpose. One of the main purposes, mm-hmm. maybe not the only purpose, but a main purpose mm-hmm. is that there is extra money to be able right. to give. People on fixed incomes or people that work for other people don't, uh, they right. unless they get a bonus or something, they can't flood the kingdom with the money needed to reach 
situations mm-hmm. that are incredibly important. Like one of the things that our church did a couple of weeks ago when the whole Afghan thing happened where they we pulled out of Afghanistan and there were people trapped there. One of the things that our church did was um, take up a special offering. Mm-hmm. And our pastor was hoping for a $5,000 offering and it ended up being $10,000. Wow. Mm-hmm. And he met with um, the person over, I don't want to say which which organization it is because I'll get it wrong. Um, but he met with them uh, in the last week or two and heard the story of how um, the Taliban came in, beat up the entire family, beat them. And said, the next time we come back, we're going to kill you. Well, between those two times, that organization was able to smuggle them out of Mm -hmm. Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. And that, because there were business owners who were able to give extra, Mm -hmm. and individuals. And I don't Mm -hmm. want to take anything away from people who give on 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 a very consistent basis. You guys absolutely keep the church running that is not what i'm saying here right. i'm talking about the over and above over and above the big checks right the, the times i got to open up tithing envelopes and there was a twenty thousand dollar check right. or a fifty thousand and that did happen right not all the time but it did happen mm-hmm. i'm talking about those times when there's just when their heart is heartstrings mm-hmm. are pulled and there's mm-hmm. extra those are the types of things that i'm talking about right. and that that's why god gives some people the entrepreneurial spirit right and the ability in deuteronomy eight eighteen to create wealth Right. Is for the kingdom. Right. Absolutely. It is not for us. It is not for us to drive the nice cars and have the nice Mm-mm. houses. Mm-mm. Although that's nice. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but <laughs> it is nice. It is not the only thing that we're out there right. for. Right. I mean, there's that scripture that talks about um, for whom much is given, much is expected. That is exactly right. And that's, it's true. Yes, it is. He he will give you more and more and more and he expects more and more and yes, more. Yes, he and does. If, you, if he gives you more... And it, it doesn't go the way that he wants it to go. He'll, he'll it'll dry up. Yep. So. And it's a huge, it is a huge responsibility. Mm-hmm. I don't take it lightly at all. Mm-mm. Never right. have. I mean, being a good steward of not only your time but your money, it's um, it's very important yes, to, it is. for the kingdom. Yes, very it is. important. Yes, it is. What else? What else has? Um, I'm trying to think if there was anything else that was really pivotal. Um, and where I'm at today, of course, you know, my cancer diagnosis always um, is one of the big, big things that I feel like that has driven me. And it also, um, walking through that, like we talked about Walk It Out last, last week, um, it showed me that a support group is very important. Um, and I think that's why um, business besties are so mm-hmm. important. Mm-hmm. You need to have that support because it is lonely at the top when you're an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, but walking that out just to have, you know, my church family, my family, my friends, so willing to do whatever I needed them to do just so that I could heal. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that was another looking back. Of course, that would, you know, being diagnosed with cancer or any any disease of any kind, um, you know, whether it's MS or fibromyalgia or whatever it is, um, those are times when you truly have to lean in and discover that I don't think I can do this on my own and making sure that you, you know, that you're not only leaning in on God, but you're leaning on those people that he places in your path to help you walk it out. And that was hard for me because I'm kind of a control freak and I think I can do everything on my own <laughs> and I'm in charge here I was in charge of my family I was in charge of my job I was in charge of charge and 
to sit back and be a receiver? Oh, no. I, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, no. You know, there's nothing. There's no groceries in the refrigerator. I'm relying on my husband to pull some type of meal out of his, out of whatever. I almost said something <laughs> that was probably not appropriate for podcasting. Um, but to be on that receiver end and let that pride, ch- he was chipping away at my pride. Yeah. So that. Um, I could experience that like what you talked about, experience that side of it so I would be able to share with other people going through cancer when they when they offer to mow your lawn, let them mow your lawn. When they offer to bring you food, let them bring you food. I mean, we were two people. My daughter was a senior in high school. We were the two people at home. She was out and running around. She was doing sports, whatever, you know. And we would get casseroles that fed 50 people. <laughs> but... You say, because they're thinking, I want to make enough that they can reheat it. Right. You know? Right. So you have to just take it. Yep. Yeah. Eat what you can and toss the rest. But that's that's their love language. Yes. So being able to receive that and then mentor other people that are going through cancer. So, yeah. you know, if they want to bring you a meal, let them bring you a meal. Yeah. Um, now I, I generally say, you drive that, you drive that chain, you drive that car, let them know that, you don't like meatloaf, so don't bring me meatloaf. Um, yeah. I'm tired of Mexican casseroles, even though I love Mexican food. I, if you bring me another Mexican casserole, I'm going to no. <laughs> So, you know, just it taught me to be more open. You know what else it taught you? It's communication. If, yes. If I can interject a little bit here, on behalf of um, the nonprofit that you run, you do a community support group. Mm-hmm. And it... It was such an influence on you that you started that mm-hmm. to go along with the other right. services that are provided through the spa. Right. On top of that, you also put together a community cancer group. Right. And you're able to say all of those things because right. you've gone through all of those right. things. Right. And if I could throw in just a little um, shameless plug here, a community cancer group can always use a sponsorship. Can't always use this. And I believe, if I remember the last time you said three fifty. Yeah, and right now we're paying one hundred and fifty dollars for the facility that we meet in, and yeah. then we have different restaurants that um, that donate the food because let's just be real, you have the food, they will come. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so it's it's more of fellowship during the dinner yes. time, and then the group discussion afterwards. Yeah. So you know we've got. We've got Chick-fil-A, we've got um, Walmart, I mean, they're deli, great sandwiches, by the way. Um, so we have different, we have different um, restaurants that donate the food okay. so that we don't have to worry about it. But overall, the overall cost is about $500 per meeting with the rental and then with the food, okay. depending on how many people we have. But yeah. So anybody out there who's listening that mm-hmm. feels the need or has been in a cancer support group and you understand the value of that... Mm-hmm. Um, you can send a check to the Stonebrook Project at P.O. Box. 1119 Catoosa, Oklahoma, 74015. Yes. <laughs> and that's and that's really where, that's why the Community Cancer Group started. It wasn't really a, um, like a licensed support group. It wasn't where we had a, a licensed therapist. That, and I have had speakers come in, guest speakers come in and talk. But it's more about just just talking it, that's the name of it talk, let's talk about it and it being cancer and everything that it involves and that also includes the caregivers too because the caregivers need to 
You know, it's, it's amazing that you can live in the same household with the person that's caring for you and there's never that conversation because you're both trying to be so strong and just get through it. But to hear other people talk within the group, um, you know, we're going through this, we're going through that, it just really lends itself to being um, like-minded support. So. I just think that in general, and of course I support this because I do masterminds mm -hmm. for entrepreneurs, but there's just something really amazing that happens in groups of people that are like-minded that are going through the, certain, the same situations. Right. It, I don't know. I mean, I just feel like that's incredibly important. Yeah, it sure don't, is. Do not forsake the gathering. A community. <laughs> community we all is need so a community. Yeah. We all need a community, no matter what it is. Um, what else? Can you think of anything else? I can't. I feel like we've gone all the way around it and yeah. covered it. Yeah. God is in the midst, he even is. if we don't see it until 20 years later. Yeah, or 30. Took me a little longer. <laughs> I'm kind of I'm kind of hard-headed on things <laughs> a little bit. So, we always wrap it up with a celebration or a kick in the butt. All right, so every once in a while in on this podcast, I kind of give a little update mm. on my health journey. Hey, my, what am I calling it? My wellness. My wellness journey. Yeah. I don't know. I'm losing weight, y'all. Um, but I'm <laughs> and eating. she is losing I'm, weight, I am man. eating better. I am exercising. So yes. it, it really is a health journey um, for no other reason than I'm 54 and I just woke up one day and said, if I do not do this now and get myself in better shape, when am I going to do it? And do I really want to spend the rest of my life in this condition trying to feel like I tomorrow need what the tomorrow I need to lose weight. Like I'm, I was so tired of thinking I need to start something. So I did at the beginning of the year and I have now lost over 60 pounds Woo as of, I think I hit 60 a couple of weeks ago, yeah. but yeah. yeah. And I'm going to piggyback on that. Um, my celebration, I really couldn't think of anything, but when you said that, um, I decided, uh, I've been walking for a while, well, since COVID, because uh, that's the only thing we could do was get outside and walk, right? Or run or ride a bike or whatever. And so, um, my daughter was really on me about, about walking and we'd go over to La Fortune Park here in Tulsa and do the, do the walk around. But, um, I had blood work done and my cholesterol was a little bit high and she said, you know, if this doesn't come down, I'm gonna have to put you on a medication. And I was like, oh, Heck no, I'm not going on medication. So <laughs> oh, thank you. So I started walking and then um and then I signed up on this little app and, and what I have found now, of course I I heard on Jill Donovan, she's um Rusty Cuff. I heard on her podcast that the best way to start a new habit is seven days, and then seven days turns into fourteen and then fourteen into twenty-eight. And she said, if you want to start walking or running on the very first day, get up. And put your shoes on. <laughs> and that's it. Right. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Second day, yeah. you get up, put your shoes on, and tie them. Oh, okay. So tying the next day. Okay, okay. yeah. And yeah, so yeah. forth and so on yeah. until you've done that for seven, 14 days, and then you will ha have established a habit. And I thought, I can do that. I can get up <laughs> and put my shoes on one day, and then I can tie them the next. So then I kind of got addicted to walking because... I never used to be a morning person. I mean, if I got up at the butt crack at 7 a.m., it was, it was, it was hard. And now I'm, I go to bed at 8.30 and I'm asleep by 9 or 9.30. I used to not go to sleep till 11 or 11.30. But then it became very important for me to get up at, you know, 6.30, 
get my shoes on and tie them and then go walk. <laughs> so now I'm up at six o'clock every day, including the weekends. Okay. And I'm walking. And, but now it's like when somebody asks me if I can do something in the morning, I'm like, okay, well, um, I do my walk because that's my time to listen to my music, talk to God and get ready for my day. Set my mind, get my mindset for the day before I do anything else. And so it's become a priority, Jennifer. Yay. <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm kind of addicted to it. I'm like, oh, no, I can't do that because that's my day to do an hour. Now, my day that I only do 30 minutes, I could totally be there at nine. <laughs> but when I do my hour, I cannot. So what else? What other day do you have? I Yeah. Because the things that are. Yes. Self-care. What did we learn? If we didn't learn anything else from COVID, what did we learn? Self-care, right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Enough said. Enough All right. Thank you guys for joining us today. We appreciate you listening in. Um, want to give a, a quick note that if you want to get in contact with me, it's E-D-E-D-I-E-1-D at StonebrookDaySpa.com. If you would like to be um, a donor for our the Stonebrook Project, it's the StonebrookProject.org. We have um, options for you to join as a project partner or if you'd like to make a one-time donation, just um, go over there to that, that website and click on Donate and it'll walk you through the steps. What about you? All right. If you would like to be a part of one of my mastermind groups, <clears throat> which is specifically for female Christian business owners, you can find me at Jennifer at DirectionMasterminds.com. If you would like to be a part of one of my upcoming... Um, planning sessions, goal setting sessions for 2022. I'll be holding those between October and December. And again, you can just reach out to me at my email, 918. <laughs> oh my word. Let's try email, jennifer at directionmasterminds.com. Thank you so much. Have a great day. And this is Jennifer, and we hope that we've inspired you to find your business bestie if you haven't already.